You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, gang. We are back and better than last week, we hope. We just polished off divisional round weekend. A lot to talk about there. Championship weekend coming up. It is a little bittersweet, though. I mean, we do have the best four teams, I believe, at this point. I guess the bitter part of it is there's only three games left in the season. And then, you know, we've got, I don't know, six months of just waiting and you know going along with every little word that comes out of the NFL. But enough about that. This is a great week. Championship weekend. As far as the divisional rounds, Alex, who impressed you the most, whether it was a unit, a player, a team? You know, what, what impressed you most about last weekend? I'm impressed with the Cincinnati Bengals. And what impressed me the most is not that Joe Burrow played well. It's the fact that the Bengals were able to run the football. They were able to just stuff it down the Buffalo Bills defense throat. And that was something that I didn't think they would be able to do. I thought that they would be more one-dimensional, but that wasn't the case. And you and I talked about it last week. The fact that they were down three starting offensive linemen, I thought, and you thought as well, that the Bills would be able to control the line of scrimmage, get to Burrow, cause pressure. And the Bengals just handled that so well. The the play calling, the, the running game, they looked like a complete team. And the fact that... Their defense shut down the Buffalo Bills offense and only gave up 10 points. I mean, that's saying something. I realize that they have the the Kansas City Chiefs again. It's a rematch again this week for the AFC Conference Championship game. But I would say the Bengals were the biggest surprise because I never thought that they would be in this position again. And here they are, one game away from being in the Super Bowl again. Yeah, I don't want to pile on, but I think, you know, to me, the most impressive thing was was the Bengals defense. And, you know, it's everybody's talking about how Luana Rumo is is kind of going unnoticed in these coaching searches and so forth. And and again, to not even get an interview, I don't know what the hell did this guy do, but they don't have many stars. I don't know that they have any stars on that defense, but with the scheme that he's got set up, the changes that they make, uh, it's gameplay. You know, it's obviously it's team specific that they draw it up. And obviously Burrow did, you know, they, they punched him in the mouth in the, in the first quarter. I mean, it was 14, nothing before bills fans even know what was happening. It was a, you know, they drive it down the field score, three and out, three and out, you know, whatever. And they score again. Now it's 14, nothing. And I guess the most disappointing part of it to me was that the bills had like no answers. It almost, it almost looked like the chiefs in the second half of last year's AFC championship game, where they were going to win their way. They were going to put it in the hands of their best player and come hell or high water, regardless of what you do on defense, our guy is going to get it done. And obviously he couldn't do it. He was getting hurried. He was getting pressed. They would not hand off the ball. Uh, and that just plays into Anna Rumo's defense. And it just, I don't know if it was just 
And I think we we all we did talk about it leading up to the game where they were just putting so much on Josh Allen. That is their offense, is Josh Allen. Gabe Davis shows up, you know, started calling him. I think Tony Romo started calling him big game Gabe, but he didn't show up. I don't know who really did show up for the Bills. That was so disappointing. The entire get 10 points, 10 out of this, you know, Bills high-powered offense at home. I mean, it was just surreal, but it was like you kind of knew, almost like you did in the Philadelphia game, that in the first quarter, it's like, this team has it and this team doesn't. Now, this team in Buffalo had the ability to do it, but they just never could get anything going, whereas the Giants, you knew they weren't going to have any any oomph, any gas in the tank, because that just isn't their DNA is to come, come from behind. And and it was just over before it started, but yeah, that the Cincy defense was the most impressive to me. And then the most disappointing was just the bills and how lackluster they were in it in a playoff game at home, no less, you know, DeMar is in the building. He's cheering up in the, in the press box or, or in the, in his, uh, box seats or or whatever in the loge. Uh, But yeah, that was just, uh, it was clinical. It wasn't, it wasn't like flashy. They didn't make any huge plays. Burrow took what the defense gave him, did go over the top a couple of times. No, nothing huge, but you know, enough to keep them honest. And they, they ran it, they passed when they had to, and they just took care of business. It, it it almost kind of reminds me not, not the personnel or anything, but some of the Patriots teams of the past when Brady was there with Belichick, where you had this defense and you didn't quite know how they get it done, but it seemed like game in game out. They were where they were supposed to be. They made the plays when they needed to and just took care of business and they win the game. No flash, just we got it done. So uh, yeah, kind of, kind of frightening. It, it's so moving forward. I mean, th- those two teams look kind of scary to me. What did you think of the Niners-Dallas game? Well, uh, I think that the Niners' defense really delivered. Um, I think that's something that they would have to do again against the Eagles because you know that the Niners aren't going to score 30 points, okay? But the Eagles can, not against the Niners' defense, but they're capable of putting up those points. And I think, you know, I have all the faith in D'Amico Ryan's our second-year defensive coordinator, the former player who had so much success with the Houston Texans. You know, he's really risen up to, uh, you know, those coaching ranks. I believe he deserves to be a head coach this offseason, regardless of the outcome of the season and what happens on Sunday. And I just think, you know, that's, that's something that I think the Niners have been hanging their hat on. For the longest time during the regular season, we could talk about Brock Purdy's, you know, perfect uh, winning percentage right now. He hasn't lost a game, and but it's it's so much more than that. It's about the defense. I mean, let's let's not have any illusions there. And the fact is, the Niners' defense has been carrying them in the second half of the season, especially with Purdy at quarterback, and it's continuing to do its job during the playoffs. I hope they can keep it up against the Eagles, but I keep underrating Philadelphia I keep you know you just you always feel like Sirianni and Jalen Hurts are like okay they got a number one seed you know in the NFC but I, I do feel that I am underestimating them I thought that the Giants had a chance to beat them obviously that 
<laughs> turned out to be a preposterous statement based on what we saw, you know, last weekend. But I just, I feel like th this is going to be the real test for the 49ers defense. Well, to go on the road, obviously, you're, you're going on the road, number one seed, hostile environment. I think the defense is going to show up. I mean, I don't think there's any question about that. It's just, okay, what is, what's Brock Purdy going to do? Going back to that game, though, Dallas, you would think after the game that, you know, the, it was like 42 to 6, and Dallas just got steamrolled because, you know, Dak didn't play very well. Uh, they had another missed extra point. Well, it was blocked, but it didn't look like it was going to be anywhere near the goalposts when, when he did hit it. So Maher was still kind of in his head. He did make a couple of kicks later, but the game was still close. The Dallas defense played pretty well. And Dak threw two picks, one backed up that he gave the Niners points, and one in the red zone where he gave away some points for them. Now, I don't know, you know, would they go for and fourth down? Were they going to make a kick, you know, go ahead and kick a field goal? Who knows? But that costs you points. And you're paying $40 million for that? I mean, that's, you know, not that they would ever move away from him, but, you know, once you write that big check or you ask for that, right, as a player, as an agent, so forth, well, that's the market, whatever. Well, you better deliver, OK, because otherwise, you know, you're just stealing money, you know, as, as far as I'm concerned. Now, again, he's a very good quarterback, not a great quarterback. And there are not a lot of great or elite quarterbacks in the league. There's maybe five or six. A couple of them are kind of old and, you know, kind of <laughs> regressing a little bit, Brady and Rodgers, and might be on their way out. Who knows? But still, this is our guy. But again, I mean, as, as bad as it sound, sounded on Sunday and Monday and Tuesday, the Cowboys were in that game. Their defense kept – Alive. The, the the Niners made plays when they had to. Purdy did enough to win. Um, what what was you, where was your heart uh, when uh, that the last play of the first half where he's kind of I don't know seven or eight seconds and he's holding it, holding it, holding it. Then finally, he kind of air mails it to the sideline. You think if they were in Dallas, that clock would have said zero, don't you think? Yeah, I think so. I think so. It, it definitely <laughs> is, but. But he has been, he's been Mr. Kyle, Kyle had some, Kyle, had, I think had some choice words for him when he like, you know, put the, put the play sheet over his mouth and was kind of barking at him. I mean, the one thing that he has done is he's made great decisions and he's taking care of the football. He's not turning it over. No question. And I think when, yeah. when you have that defense, when you have that running game, when you've got those playmakers, that's all you have to do, basically. The Eagles are going to be the toughest test for them because the Eagles defense is no slouch especially in you know on the front i mean at, at the line of scrimmage those guys can get after you and i think this is going to be the biggest test for the 49ers offensive line because they they can get after the quarterback those boys have been putting up huge numbers all season so and you know historical numbers i think they're they're in the top three all time for team sacks i think they've got at least four guys with double digit sacks so yeah, I mean it's they're no yeah, I'll agree with you there. No, no. And joke. I've mentioned D'Amico Ryan's, he deserves a head coaching job. Well, you gotta look at the other guy on the other sideline, Jonathan Gannon. You know, he's also had a very complete, very good defense the past couple of years. Nobody really talks about him, but he's a huge part 
of, you know, the Eagles coaching staff out there. That guy also deserves a head coaching look. There's no doubt about it. As far as the Cowboys are concerned, they haven't had a superstar quarterback since Troy Aikman. All right. I mean, Tony Romo was a good quarterback, not a great one. Whenever he was in the playoffs, he also had debacles. Same thing with Dak. And the only, I guess the only person not recognizing it is is Jerry Jones. You're not going to change quarterbacks, but I do think he needs to change coaches. And he he continues to stay loyal to Mike McCarthy and, and Dak. Well, and that I don't continue. know because you do have to give him some credit for winning the games that he did with, you know, some, some injury problems, kind of shuffling the offensive line. You know, the expectations in Dallas, I think a lot of times are so overblown just because it's the Cowboys and, you know, you put the star on the helmet. Um, you know, they don't, they really never addressed the number two receiver position. Uh, Tony Pollard gets hurt in the first half, you know, can't come back and, you know, evidently going to have surgery moving into a free agent year. I mean, I would think they'd want him back. I can't see Zeke coming back unless I think he even said he would kind of take the hometown discount or give the home count, hometown discount, take a pay cut to come back. But he's a guy, you know, he's turned now. He's kind of like a short yardage back. Maybe, you know, they bring him in to pass protect a little bit. But, I mean, he doesn't have the juice he used to have. So not a lot of firepower on offense, but somehow they got to that that level. So I would give them credit, but the expectations are just way out of whack for this team, for what they are and what they have. Lou, Mike McCarthy is not going to take this team to the Super Bowl. But nobody has hired Sean. Not with those players. Nobody no. has hired Sean Payton yet. I think Payton can cut down on those yeah. interception numbers that have, you know, definitely haunted Dak Prescott this season. I think he can make it work. We know he's a quarterback's whisperer. So I'm not saying. But he's been there. He's been there under Parcells. He knows Jerry Jones. He maybe Jerry can can write a big check, but he typically doesn't with coaches, doesn't want to. I don't think that's Sean Payton's M.O. I think he wants to go in somewhere where the ownership just kind of lets the football people take care of stuff. You've got, you know, Jerry, his kid, his other kid. And it's that's a tough deal. You know, you I mean, walking into that, I don't think I don't think Payton that would be his first choice. You know, I, I honestly, it really seems to me like he might just sit this one out, wait till next year, stay at Fox, That's it. see what comes out next year. He's in Arizona today. That one's that one's interesting, you know, because then I think Bidwell would probably give him the power that he's looking for to bring in his own GM which I don't know. I think maybe they did already hire a GM, so that I, I misspoke. But he can certainly have a big voice in personnel in getting Kyler Murray to play. If he feels he can do it, I think sky's the limit there. He might, that might be an interesting place or maybe even Houston because that's a clean slate from the beginning. But again, ownership is kind of wonky there, but I guess just to go back to my point, I don't, I don't see him going to Dallas. Interesting. All right. I mean, I would, I would try to make that power play. I would try to, you know, Jerry Jones did bring in Bill Parcells. 
And he was there for yeah. a few years when, you know, he didn't like that. He didn't like that. Parcells didn't like it. The, the whole thing about the shopping for the groceries. I think he used that when he was in New York. And I think that kind of bothered him a little bit when he was in Dallas. Um, yeah, I just I that didn't work out well. And then, you know, he had the best coach in the NFL and he ran him off. Jimmy Johnson back in the day. I mean, they could have I think they could have had a bunch better run. But that's for another show. Speaking of Eagles defensive coaches, I'm not going to take credit for this. I heard this on Good Morning Football. Peter Schrager brought it up. There's two guys on the staff in Philadelphia, and they're defensive coaches. They're like assistants and so forth. They're very young in their, in their NFL careers, but were college coaches on the same staff between 2016 and 2020. Any guess where – they were coaching at that point, Alex. Probably some HBCU school? Iowa State. Okay. Who was who was at Iowa State at that time as the quarterback? Yeah, we do know that Brock Purdy was the quarterback the past four years. There you go. So, again, it may not be a big deal or whatever, but you've got some people. That said they, they, again, he's kind of this mystery. He's only played seven games. But you got some guys, again, I don't, you know, not that they're going to you know, change the game plan or anything, but I think just tendencies, maybe some things that they would see in practice that, you know, get, get under his skin. But I just thought that was a very interesting poll by Peter Schrager in Good Morning Football. Well, we'll see if it works out for them. I mean, obviously, teams always look for those advantages, and, and here it is. I mean, they, they do have a leg up a little bit in what they know about Brock Purdy. How about your Chiefs, Lou? I mean, we mentioned all the games we ran through, you know, all the divisional yep. games. How about the Chiefs? Well, the Eagles, we didn't talk too much about the Eagles game. There wasn't much to say other than the fact that they just completely dominated the game. They rushed for 260 some yards, which was more than uh, the Giants total yardage. And it was pro arguably the worst pick that I made all year was taking whatever seven and a half points in that, in that game. I knew it on Friday and I was, well, you know, cats out of the bag. <laughs> I can't really go back and change it, but that was just, wow, what a beat down. So there's really nothing to say about there. You know, Eagles kind of did whatever they wanted. They didn't have to throw the ball much. They just ran it down their throat. As far as the chiefs game was concerned, it was kind of a, I guess kind of a, a professional game not too, not too many you know bells and whistles i mean the chiefs knew that i think they understood they had the better team the much more seasoned team and so forth it was still ended up being a close game uh, yeah i mean the elephant in the room is you know the mahomes injury right i mean it looked devastating when it happened i mean just the look on his face trying to stand up try and just not being able i mean kind of doubled over once he did stand up um, so that was kind of scary, but the, the one again, that has got to impress you is Chad Henney <laughs> situation with Cleveland at, at the end of that one where Pat got hit in the head and couldn't, you know, they took his helmet away. wasn't able to come back in and Henney kind of got it done at the end. Nothing spectacular, no big plays, but how's this? Okay. Chad, 37 years old, you never play. It's like you got to you know, break glass and, you know, in case of emergency, <laughs> here you go. Go, go get him. You got it on your own two yard line. Let's go. And yeah, he took him 98 yards, you know, again, dinking and dunking with his passes, but they ran the ball. Well, I think 
that's kind of going to be the game plan against Cincinnati if they're going to, you know, keep dropping eighth and 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 try to force Mahomes to to move, right? I think they're going to try to pressure him. I think Mike Hilton is going to be part of the game plan, but uh, in the game against Jacksonville, I don't, I mean, I don't know. They were they got it done. There wasn't anything spectacular or anything that you saw that was oh geez, you know, look at look at that. It it was game kind. Of, and of went as as expected. Jags get a late field goal, cover the spread, and uh, just the big thing now is you know can Patrick go this weekend? Can he be effective? He's going to play. I mean, I don't think there's any question. I mean, you saw if you saw him on the sideline. I mean, he was ready to kill someone when they told him he had to go get an X-ray, and the game was going on. I mean, he just the look on his face, slamming his coat. I mean, he was he was pissed. He was not coming out of the game. This is going to be that over my dead body game uh, for sure. So what's going to be the X factor here for the Chiefs, knowing that they're not their quarterback is not 100 uh, percent. What do they have to do against the Bengals in order to get it done and advance to the Super Bowl, something that they weren't able to do last season? Well, uh, defensively now. Again, you don't look at their defense and say, well, this is a dominating defense or anything. I mean, they're just kind of they're built to kind of play with the lead. They had one of the highest pressure rates of any defense in the NFL. I think they were I think they may have been first with pressure rate sacks. I think they were either second or third. Um, Now, one of the things I think you mentioned it going into last week was the Cincinnati interior. You had a bunch of new players in there. And then you had Jackson Carmen kicking out to tackle, and those guys looked amazing. And it kind of took me back to the COVID season. And I think the Chiefs were supposed to play Buffalo on a Monday night. It's the last time they played in Buffalo. And they had a they had a lot of injuries in, in their offensive line. That kind of led to, you know what happened in the Super Bowl against Tampa. But the bottom line, they have like Nick Allegretti in there and they had, you know, a bunch of guys, you know, backups and so forth. And they ran, they went up there and they ran the ball for over 200 yards on the bills. And they win the game. That's, I mean, the last regular season game, they beat Buffalo. I think they're going to have to come out with a very similar game plan. Pacheco is going to have to be big. He got 12 carries last week, but he had 95 yards. He finally got to show his speed when he, he you know, he, he, he's not the most patient runner, right? He kind of runs into blocks sometimes because he's so anxious to get going. Well, he's been a little bit more patient here, and he finally he rips off like a 40-yarder, got to show his 4-3-9 speed or whatever the hell it was at the, at the combine. I think that was the number. So I think he... Jet McKinnon, if they bring in uh, Ronald Jones Jr. for for a few carries, I think they're going to have to utilize those guys a little bit more. I think they're probably going to utilize 13 personnel a little bit more with uh, Kelsey, Noah Gray, and either, I don't know if they, they might activate Jody Fortson, bigger guy, more of a receiver, uh, or Blake Bell, the belldozer from Oklahoma, use him as kind of, you know, maybe like a sixth offensive lineman type and kind of leading up into holes and pulling and doing that sort of thing. Because when those guys get the mindset that we're going to mash, you've got Creed, you've got Joe Tooney, you've got Smith at the other guard. And 
it's a beautiful thing, but they never really commit to it because you've got, you know, arguably the best player. Well, no, the best player in the league. You know, you don't want to take the ball out of his hands. But with the lame, you know, being a little lame with the one leg, I think you got to rely on the offensive line and on defense. That pass rush has got to get got to get through these, you know, these backup linemen and get the burrow and get them on the ground. I, I, you know, whether it's, you know, on an incompletion tip balls, Carlos Dunlap is just a killer with that. Karloftis on the other side, they, they knock a lot of balls down. And I think Chris Jones feasts on, on some of those interior guys and hopefully gets his first postseason sack, which is just amazes me that he doesn't have a sack yet. You know, an average NFL football fan is going to look at this game and he's going to say, oh, it's Mahomes versus Burrow. But both of these defenses just don't get enough respect. I'm looking at like the over and under for this game. I think it's 47 and a half points. 47 and a half. That's crazy. Because I look at like the last four games that Cincy's defense has played. They've allowed 18 points, 16, 17, and 10. They haven't allowed more than 24 points. Um, they've only allowed 24 points twice this entire season. All right? And when you look at the Chiefs, they've held their last four opponents to an average of like less than 17 points. So to me, something has got to something has got to give. And the fact that Mahomes is hobbling in this game, he's not going to be 100%. He's not going to be moving around as, as usual. He's not going to be using those improvisational skills. I, I realize that he's Superman, but he's still going to be limited to a certain degree. I just think this is going to be a low-scoring affair. And, and that's how we have to look at it at this point. It's not going to be sexy, all right? These teams aren't going to score no. 30 points, all right? So I, I do think it's going to come down to, like you said, who's going to be able to run the football more effectively? And the Bengals were able to do that more effectively against the Bills, and the Chiefs are going to have to you know, make up for it with Mahomes being hobbled a little bit. Well, I think they, I mean, just it's the commitment part of it. Because like I said, I mean, Pacheco had 12 carries the whole game. I mean, 12. And I don't know, Jet McKinnon, I don't know how many. He probably had a handful. And that was it. So, you know, it, it, again, it's it's more of a commitment. Now, that game when they went up to Buffalo, I don't know what it was. I think it was maybe just be, because they they felt strongly that those the backup offensive linemen would just be more comfortable run blocking. And I think Cincinnati felt the same thing going up to Buffalo is saying, okay, We've got these guys. What do offensive linemen love to do more than anything else? Fire off the ball. Let's get out there and just mash people. It's not going to be pretty. You're not going to get, you know, five, six yards every time. I mean, this isn't like the Big 12 or, you know, a a college game. You're going to have to, you know, take those one or two yarders, you know, and, and be patient. And then eventually in the fourth quarter, when you wear them down, those, you know, two and three yard runs become four and five and six and, and ten. Then all of a sudden you break one. Uh, I don't know that Andy Reid's ever been able to do that. He just can't help himself because, again, you just you've got this kid. He's going to want to throw the ball. And I, and I can see that. So I would say if the Chiefs can get at least 25 carries, 25 to 30 carries. I'm not saying yards, but 25 to 30 carries. Keep the defense on, get, keep them guessing. And so they, they're they not you know constantly having eight guys 
eyes on the quarterback laying in wait. They don't have to use a spy because, you know, Patrick's not going to run this game. Uh, they can blitz a little bit more because he can't move very well. He's going to want to get it out quick. So maybe the the corners and the safety start pressing up a little bit more, thinking that they're not going to throw it over our heads. And what's the first thing that Reed's going to do? He's going to call it. He's going to he's going to call a go ball. Maybe the first play of the game. But yeah, commit to the run. Stick with your defense. I think both games are probably prime unders. Uh, you're talking about the line. I mean, the, the line in the Cincinnati Kansas City game. This is unprecedented for a championship game. I mean, it's been. I don't know if you're, you're a fisherman, Alex, but you catch a fish, you throw it. I mean, it's been flipping like that fish does on the deck of a boat, you know, with the hook still in its mouth. It opened Kansas City minus three. This is, I mean, the books put this up knowing that Mahomes was injured and didn't know whether he'd play next week. Immediately, I'm sure a ton of money came in on Cincinnati. And the line goes all of a sudden. Now it flips. Cincinnati minus one and a half. Cincinnati minus two and a half. It got to three yesterday around the time that uh, they have the press conference. And Mahomes is kind of standing there like no big deal. Walks off like no big deal. He's at practice. He's jogging. He's doing something. I mean, nothing spectacular that you would say, oh, geez, he's fine. He's going to be he's going to be OK. But now all of a sudden the Chiefs are favored again by one. So it, this is very interesting to me. It, re- it really is. And I guess the, the most baller thing I saw yesterday was when Reed opened the, the, the press conference and said, no injuries to report. <laughs> I mean, that was it was kind of subtle. And I'm sure people in the room are thinking, like, what do you mean there's no injuries? To-? But that's what he said. He goes, yeah, well, what about Patrick? And so oh, yeah, he's doing OK, you know, whatever. And then they kept peppering him but i thought that was pretty cool when he just like opened the press conference with okay no 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 injuries to report when was the last time that a rookie quarterback played in the super bowl when was that never 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 no Ah, it's never happened it's unprecedented it's it's unprecedented yeah this is this is it man i mean this is brock purdy i mean that this will be a great trivia question in like 25 years unless of course he becomes like a great player and then it's like oh geez of course he was right uh he's the he's the next tom brady you know he passed over by everybody he's got his list of all the quarterbacks that were taken ahead of him well it's almost like you you talked about it last week i mean you're but like play that played up to the story that Brock Purdy might be the next Tom Brady, and a lot of people are talking about this right now. I mean, is he? Well, the similarities are kind of there. I don't know. I mean, but Brady had a lot more, I think, adversity at Michigan and kind of winning the job, losing the job, winning. You know, they they couldn't make their minds up. Whereas Purdy, I mean, I think he started all four years, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He started uh, as a true yeah, freshman. He, he had a an amazing amount of experience in college. So, I mean, that not to say that that's a guarantee at the pros, but as far as his mindset, his, he doesn't, it seems like he's one of these guys that his resting heart rate is the same as like when he's under pressure. I mean, he just, he's just like very even killed. He never, never gets too, too nutty. He finally showed some emotion uh, you know, right at the, at the end of the Seattle game or in the second half, he got kind of fired up when he threw a touchdown pass. But, you know, it just seems like he's just like this professional dude. You see him, you know, walking into the stadium, whatever. He looks like a student. 
wearing his, uh, you know, gap outfit, <laughs> wearing, uh, you know, the, the backpack. He just looks like a kid walking across the quad going to a class. Yeah, just, you know, I look at uh, if, if we're going to switch over right now, we're going to go to the NFC. So we got the Eagles against the 49ers. When I look at this matchup, I just I feel like as much as I've praised the 49ers defense, there's a huge mismatch against, you know, uh, between the Eagles wide receivers and our 49ers secondary. And I just think the corners in general, you know, I'm looking at the Eagles and I'm like Darius Slay, James Bradbury, who had a great year for the Eagles this year. We've got, hmm, I mean, a bad cornerback room. I mean, I, I wouldn't say a bad one, but all right, we have an average cornerback room. Come on, Charvarius Ward. They talk about him like he was going to be an all pro and the Chiefs let him go. And that was a big deal. Well, we've got an average cornerback room because we've got <laughs> A.J. Brown. We've got Devontae Smith. We've got Dallas Goddard, who we have to you know contend with. We've got great linebackers with Fred Warner and, and Dre Greenlaw. But the fact is, the front seven is really good. The secondary, especially the cornerback position, I've got huge question, uh, huge question marks there because we're going against guys that are no slouches at all. And especially with Jalen Hurts, who gives you that extra dimension by moving outside of the pocket and buying himself extra time. The more time you buy, you know, those wide receivers are going to come open. So so do you think they they kind of flipped the script a little bit from okay we're playing the giants we're just going to run it down their throats to here hey the advantage is with our receiving core are they going to let just let it fly you know and see you know if they can get a quick you know get a big lead early and see if purdy can play from behind i do think that's going to be the key i think in the second half they'll try to look for more balance but I think in the first half, you will see them air it out, okay? I mean, I think they're confident that Jalen Hurts is back. I think they're confident in their wide receiver core. And, and that's where they're going to try to take advantage you know, of the 49ers because that defensive line and those linebackers, they're going to shut down their running game. They've got to open it up early in the first quarter. They can't just run it down the Giants' throat. So they got to change it up a little bit. And I think Sirianni, that's exactly what he's going to do. You have to take advantage of the other team's weakness. And that's what NFL coaches so do. This is, so this is going to be a Nick Bosa game, right? I mean, if he shined, if he has, if he has a, a good game, and they can't they can't block him, and he's getting he's getting the hurts. You got to feel pretty good about San Francisco's chances. Not just Bosa; I mean the rest of the pass rush, but he's kind of the unicorn. And you know, uh, Lane Johnson did okay last week with the you know he had the injury and whatever. But again, you really didn't have a dynamic front seven there. I mean, it's they're they're good, but not I mean not San Francisco good. I mean this is. This is up. I mean, this 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 could be a historical unit. The the down four and the the linebackers. I think the Eagles need to change up their game plan. They they knew how to attack the Giants and they found success there. I think this is the only way to attack the 49ers. And, and the fact is, try to get rid of the ball quickly. Try to take advantage of those wide receivers against the 49ers corners. And this is yeah the D line. For the 49ers, it's going to be crucial. They got to get off the ball, and they got to get up to. They got to get to Jalen Hurts. They got to disrupt him. I, I just think that's the game plan for me for the Eagles. I would be very surprised 
that the Eagles are going to try to like balance this attack out in the beginning of the game. I think they do want to take the lead, and they want Purdy to come from behind. I think I completely agree with you there. This number is only two and a half Philadelphia's favored. Uh, they're at home. So that leads me to believe that I guess the thinking is that San Francisco really is the better team here. Right. And they, because again, I mean, and I'm, this is, this is like gambling one-on-one. These numbers don't, you know, Vegas doesn't put out these numbers trying to reflect, well, this team is this many points better than the other team. The number that they try to come up with is the number that will attract the same amount of money to both sides. Right. So, I mean, if they, and that's ultimately their best scenario because, you know, the losing betters pay 10 percent uh, vig or vigorish, whatever you want to call it. But it's that's the juice. And, and if they have the same amount on both sides, they automatically make that 10 percent. So if there's millions of dollars bet, obviously they're going to clean up. But again, as far as this is concerned, this one seems very strange to me because everything you're saying kind of leads to towards kind of a Philly, you know, kind of being on the Philly side. A rookie has never led his team to, to the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, their, his, their, their pass rush is putting up historical numbers. I mean, 85 and 84 Bears defense numbers, which is unheard of. But they're right there, right? With the n- number of games, they have a chance to actually exceed that 85 Bears team as far as number of sacks. Um that just the, the number just looks strange to me. That uh, to me, I think if they make it three, more people are going to jump on San Francisco because okay, now we've got a field goal. They'll feel a lot more comfortable. Looking at two and a half is like, well, you know, let's let's take Philadelphia. Hey, you know, three points, we win. So it this is a tough one. I you know I've been on San Francisco since about mid season and think said you know this is it. This is the team. I got to rethink it a little bit here. Now on the road, Philadelphia's seemingly healthy. This is this is a, this is a tough one. I mean, the, obviously we've got the four best teams. Any combination is is wide open. Is out there. There's not going to be. Well, this is a slam dunk lock of the year. You know, no one's going to do that. Um, I don't know. I mean, who who do you like? What do you think? I'm staying away from this game, Lou. I really am. I, I'm going against. <laughs> I'm going against history here. I mean. You can't yeah. go against like the history. I hear you. That's why I asked you because I did, I really didn't know the answer. I thought maybe there was a rookie quarterback that has taken his team to the Super Bowl. Okay, I really no, thought. I think that. Ben. I think ben, ben was in his second year. Um, he may. Well, I think Marino was in his second right. year. So I mean, there's there's a few guys that were obviously very young. Uh, might actually, you know, as far as age, might be even younger than Purdy because I, he wasn't in school as long or they came out, I think Marino came out after his junior year. I don't recall. But anyway, uh, yeah, it's just it's just unheard of. You just don't you just don't see it. You see rookie quarter, so many rookie quarterbacks can barely, you know, do the cadence. Uh, you know, get get them in and out of the huddle on time. You know, even to run a play is is like this, you know, superhuman thing. He's come in like he's been doing this his whole life. And 
maybe he has. And it's obviously Kyle has something to do with it. The fact that he has like all pros and pro bowlers at every single unit of the team uh, that helps, but uh, you got to give him credit. He hasn't, you know, he hasn't wavered, but I think maybe under this pass rush and, and this particular situation is where maybe we see the inexperience and some of the things that Philadelphia's defense can do to confuse him a little bit when he's forced to pass. That's, you know, like I said, I've been on San Francisco this whole way. It's hard for me to say, okay, now I'm going to take Philadelphia, but I really, really feel like the side here is the Eagles at home. So that's it. That that's your pick right here. You're you're going with the Eagles. Well, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with the Eagles minus two and a half, which again is just not a I, I don't feel good about it at all. I, I'd be honest with you. I want San Francisco to win. I don't know why, but I just want them to win. I just think it'd be a better story. I like the way they play. Uh it just everything about that team is just you know what you'd want as a fan. Now, obviously, you'd want them to be able to score more points and be a little bit more dynamic. But, hey, this is the way we play. This is who we are. We're going to come in. We're going to try to beat you up. But Philadelphia is kind of the same team is where they're going to try to beat you up. We're going to run the ball. You know, our run game versus yours. And they're completely different. Uh, A lot more. I think a lot more RPOs, obviously, from Philadelphia. It seems like every play is an RPO. But, um I feel much better with the unders in both games. So if we're going to make official picks. So by the way, last week was two and one, one with Cincinnati, one with San Francisco and lost with the uh, Giants, which again was the worst pick ever. (laughs) That just, again, I knew on Friday, this was just dumb. I shouldn't have done that. And Daniel Jones, um, Again, he looked like a completely different player uh, when he played against Minnesota, but he kind of reverted back to Daniel Jones in in this game. Uh, The second game, again, I haven't picked a Chiefs game all year. Okay, I'm going to take the Chiefs. I don't I can't see Mahomes going to 0-4. This is like the the over my dead body game. losing two championship games in a row at home to the same team would just be kind of, I mean, those guys would just, I would just be crushed. It was bad enough losing last year, the way they did after being up 21 to three. So again, for the time being, Kansas city is minus one, but if you're out there, you know, depending on who you like, you might want to wait you know, and see what the line is as we move forward. Maybe we get a little bit more in-depth reports about Mahomes' his mobility of practice today and then tomorrow. But um, my guess is they're not going to put him in any adverse situations where he could aggravate it. So I don't even know if any of that information is going to going to really make a difference. You just have to have faith. And, you know, at the end of the day, I've got faith in the MVP. This is my team. I cannot pick against them. So let's go Philly and under. Kansas City and under. So chalk <laughs> the home teams and the under in both games. Four picks. I'm going to roll with that. Well, I'm not going to make my lock of the week in the 49ers Eagles game for obvious reasons. And again, it, it's tough to go against history. And you know, as far as like the Bengals and the Chiefs, some defenses just. Oh, <clears throat> Like they all, they have, they have they, some quarterbacks number. Matchups. I mean, yep. it's just, that's the case. It's always been the case. It's also hard to argue against that. For some reason, 
whether it's at home or away. I mean, that defense just plays well How? against the best well, here's quarterback, a, the best player he, in football. Well, here's the thing that I can't get an answer to. How, in the first half of the game last year, do you roll up 21? You're on the doorstep of putting up 24 or 28 at the end of the first half. The other team, you held them to three. Now, again, defensively, I could see, you know, Cincinnati, you know, on off being able to beat the Chiefs defense up a little bit in the second half, score some points. But then how do you get shut out? Well, you scored a field goal so they could get to overtime. But how how do you flip that? What what that had to be psychological. When he threw that pass to Tyreek, I think as soon as he let go of it, he knew this is a bad idea. You know, he's one, I'm getting it out late. Two, you know, he throws it kind of behind him, so his momentum's going away from the goal line. He gets tackled, and I think for the first time ever, I saw Mahomes kind of, you know, come out of the second half, and he was rattled. He, I mean, I that's the only time. I agree with you. But he was rattled. I agree with you on that. But I'm going to go with the Chiefs as well. I just think that there's something about destiny. Uh, you know, they lost it in in big fashion like that last year when it looked like they were going to walk away, that they were going to blow the Cincinnati Bengals out of that game, out of that stadium. I'm going to go with Mahomes. Hobbling. This is going to... This, this is, is going to... Add to... This is going to add to his legend. story. To his legacy. <laughs> add to the legend. Yeah, it, no Ty, no Tyreek. Playing on one leg. This is, this is going to be part of the Disney movie. I believe so. <laughs> I'm taking... This is my lock of the week. I'm taking the Chiefs at home. Minus one. Oh, man, Alex, here we go. The kiss of death comes back. But I think you did well on the last kiss of death. I think they still won that game. So uh, last thing before we get out, we've kind of slandered. I don't know about slandered this guy. Maybe we were being honest. But uh, reports out of New York, Nathaniel Hackett in as the new OC for the Jets. Um, I don't know where they're going with the quarterback. I don't know who's going to be the quarterback. Is this another situation where a team thinks that by hiring Nathaniel Hackett that they're going to lure Aaron Rodgers to their team? I believe so. I think the Jets are all in. They know that Zach Wilson isn't the future. They know that they don't have a quarterback on the roster that's worthy of you know being the starting quarterback. All due respect to Mike White. I mean, he was he played pretty well. Uh, during the season, he's a good. Ba- he's a good backup, backup quarterback, quarterback, right? I do think they're betting on it. I think they they're betting on his relationship with Aaron Rodgers, and they're hoping that you know the the Jets are willing to give up you know a couple of first round picks for Aaron Rodgers because their defense. I don't. I don't think they have to give up that yeah. much. I think maybe a first and a third. I, I really think Green Bay would just be happy to get out from under that contract i just feel like the jets defense was elite this year okay and they're yeah. only gonna oh, get everything's better. in place and then they're gonna get they're all young none of them are making any, any you know a ton of money so yeah i mean that's that they need to kind of like drop somebody in there now again denver tried that last year and that didn't go so well but yeah i mean is it him is it uh you know, is it Lamar? I mean, this is going to get intriguing here uh, again, just like last year. And then this is like deja vu all over again. The the retired, unretired quarterback from Green Bay goes to the New York Jets, a la Brett Favre. And here, 
Rogers continues to follow in Brett Favre's footsteps. Well, let's just say this. <laughs> just, uh, that, you can't make this stuff up, Alex. It just kind of writes itself. Nathaniel Hackett needs Aaron Rodgers because Hackett hasn't done anything in this league without Aaron Rodgers, okay? I mean, if you look at his track record, with all due respect, as a, as a quarterback's coach or as an offensive coordinator, this is all in. The Jets believe that there's something cooking here and they may might, might make a deal for Aaron Rodgers. If they don't, Nathaniel Hackett is in trouble because he's not a very good offensive coordinator without Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, this is, and I don't even know that he was the OC in in Green Bay. It might have been his title, but you gotta you gotta believe Lafleur had his hands in there. That's kind of his, you know, his his DNA. That whole you know Shanahan system and so forth. And then again, he his own tweaks. What he did in Tennessee there was a little bit different. Obviously, you got a different type of running back. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know where this is going. His dad coached there. Uh, I think he was um, he was Herm Edwards' uh, offensive coordinator for a few years at the Jets. Paul Hackett. Former um, USC so Trojans head coach. USC Trojans, Pittsburgh. Uh, he was in Kansas City, you know, years and years ago. Was, I, I think he was an offensive coordinator for one of Marty's offensive coordinators. So obviously they did things a lot differently back there. Uh, but anyway, it, it just it, it just struck me as as odd. One, that they were interviewing him. And then two, bang, here we go. When you've got all these other young guys. Um I thought another interesting one was Ben Johnson, whose name was really hot uh, for Detroit as their young offensive coordinator. And out of the blue, he just, he pulls out of any interviews and says, I'm staying here. My guess is that they gave him a big raise. And he's also, you know, as young as he is, maybe he's thinking, too, I don't know that I'm ready to be a head coach at this point, especially in one of these tire fires that that is an open job. So uh, I think that was probably a wise move on his part. Um, and if Detroit continues going, taking the trajectory there are, the price tag just goes up for Ben Johnson. So I thought that was an interesting one. Yeah, the Lions are going to be my favorites, too win the NFC North division next year. So, I mean, with with the way that offense was kicking this year, the way... January 26th, mark it down, folks. Alex, all over the Detroit Lions. Let's I go. just think in his third year, Dan Campbell has got to make the playoffs and has got to win that division. And, and Jared Goff just had a career year. I don't anticipate him... You know, taking a step back, especially with the the offensive talent coming back and them adding to it, and now his offensive coordinator coming back. All right, gang. I think that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, pray for us both this weekend because it's going to be nerve wracking from start to finish. I joke. I mean, obviously, you know, five straight championship games in Arrowhead. That's uh, that's pretty wild. Years ago, I, I couldn't dream of just e even having one there. And here we got five in a row. I'm pretty happy with it. Uh, not to say we're going to lose. I'm pretty positive that uh, this one's going to go Kansas City's way. So for my partner, Alex, I'm Lou. Happy championship weekend, folks. Until next time. Peace.